Our fight to eradicate corruption, maladministration, unethical leaders, and the abuse of taxpayers' money by those in power continues. It's fresh, it's fearless, and focused. The Outer Hour, where your voice matters. Good evening and welcome to The Outer Hour. Wednesday, 7 p.m. is when the show goes live. You're welcome to join us as part of The Outer Family every Wednesday at 7 p.m. We'll be saying hello to you, so pop your comments down in the comments section down below. It's tradition on the show to say hello to each other. If you're a first-time viewer, tell us where you're from so that we can acknowledge your place of residence. We get viewers from all over South Africa, indeed all over the world. Every week we get Israel, we get um, the UK, we get... We get America, the United States, we get, uh, we get the United Arab Emirates, we get the Far East, and we get Canada, and we get a whole lot more. So wherever you're from tonight, wherever you're watching the show from, thank you for joining us. You may be watching the show post-live, in other words, pressing the play button after the show has uh, aired out live. That's okay. We appreciate the play, the pressing the play button. We appreciate the view, and you can still comment in the comment section down below. The comment section is moderated this evening by Ivor Cleary. Samantha Van Nispen will be on the show tonight. Yay! Sam is with us. There are a whole bunch of fantastic outer team members with us. I'll introduce you to the team in just a moment. All familiar faces if you've watched the show before, and if you haven't, welcome to the Outer Hour. I'm Tom London. Now, who is on board tonight? Let's take a look and a quick hello to our outer team this evening. First up is uh, the CEO of Outer, Wayne Dub Oh, by the way, the entire show tonight, the whole show, the, the full 60 minutes is dedicated to eTolls. We've been getting so many people asking us questions about eTolls over the last few weeks that we've put an action-packed eTolls show together for you. Any questions you've got, any comments you've got about eTolls, we want to see them in the comments section, and I'll try and put as many of them across to the team as possible. Okay, let's say hello to Wayne and see how he's doing in his office. Joining us remotely via Zoom is the CEO of Outer, Wayne Divinage. How's it, Wayne? How's it, Tom? Looking forward to a good show tonight. We've got the whole uh, team of eTol uh, folk on board tonight. We've uh, done a lot of work over the last number of years, and I think we're going to give the the listeners and the viewers, a good rundown on what has actually happened and where are we today. Lacker, part of the team this evening and in no particular order, we are joined by everybody's favorite advocate, Stefani Fick, Head of Accountability at Alta. Hello, Stefani. Unmute button. <laughs> you, everyone? Ah. Yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting show. Thank you. Nice to see you. All the women are looking lovely tonight, Wayne. We've got some competition because, uh, well, let's go to Rudy Heineke. Uh, yeah, uh, even, uh, even Rudy. Even Rudy's looking good. Yeah, Rudy has shaved and looking wonderful this evening. Hello, Rudy Heineke. How are you? Good, sir. Hello, Tom, and uh, hi to all the Otarians out there. Uh, I think we're going to have a jam-packed show tonight. We're looking forward. Rudy Heineke is Portfolio Manager at Alta. And then we are joined by Stefani, uh, Andrea Korf. There we go. Andrea Korf is a Senior Legal Project Manager at Alta. Hello, Andrea. Hi. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, Tom. Tom and looking forward to a, a very hot topic discussion tonight. Right. Now I'm just trying to work out if I've left anyone out. I think that's everybody. Andrea, 
Sam. Oh, hold on. Sam. Hold on. She's never on the show. She's been on the show once in the last two years. We've got her on tonight. The head of communications and marketing at Outer. Looking great with perfect lighting, perfect makeup. She's Samantha van Nispen. Hello, Sam. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello, and thank you. It's exciting to be on this side of the screen for a change and not typing on my keyboard. Sam, Excited to see the show. Thank you. Sam Kardashian, I'm going to call you because you're looking fantastic tonight. Right. Let's kick off the discussion with a couple of hellos from you as you watch the show this evening. Do remember to like and share the show. That's how we get the word out and create more active citizens out of South Africans here and abroad. It's as simple as hitting the like and the share button, and you can do that now. So please like and share. Let's get to the... Oh, and Andrea Korf is first on board, says, Good evening, Arterians. You've got the outer team members in the comment section tonight as well. Ivor Cleary is returning the hello and saying good evening, Andrea Korf. Rachel Fisher is on board. Hello from Pretoria. Not a first-time viewer, though. No, Rachel has actually appeared on the show before. John Orska says hello all. Looking forward to another informative evening. Get ready, John, because it's an ETOLS discussion tonight. Anton Bernardo says, Kalismela from Athens. Keep up the good work. Ella, there the Vasik Silo. That's the only Greek I know. Uh, Brendan Slade was on the show last uh, week. How's it, team and supporters? Says Brendan. Everybody loved Brendan last night, uh, last week. Nicola Jane Good says hello, everyone. Tony Peterson says hi, Alta. Long time no here. Good to have you on board with us, Tony. Thanks for joining us. Barbara Schillinglaw says evening all. The advocate, uh, on the muted advocate, <laughs> Stefani Fick says how's it all. Abin Sada says, good evening, folks. Uh, Sharon Dudley Brun says, viva Alta, viva. You guys keep me going. Don't know if you saw Alta's Bridge Brigade videos on Facebook this week. People are still hooting those hooters in defiance. Beth Biggs says, hi, all. Wow, we've got a lot of people joining us. Uh, hi, Beth. Good to have you with us. Yuri Fick, I'll do a couple more uh, hellos this evening. Leonard van der Leitkarten, there's a familiar name to the show. Hello, Leonard. Thank you for joining us. Rueda Sonny says, good evening from Rueda and Sharish. Sonny in Cape Town. Uh, Warren Alborn says, howdy from Ireland. Wow, I think you're our first viewer from Ireland, uh, Warren. Thank you for joining us. Hilda Mayer says, hi, outer team. Graham, uh, Clive Beckett, well, we know what Clive's going to say. Another week gone and still no bums in jail. <laughs> we get Stefani to comment on that a bit later on. And we'll do one or two more. Lena De Gennaro says, hi. Sandy Aitken says, hello from the Mother City. Cape Town is represented tonight. Jeff Peace, um, Scott says, greetings team. That's Jeff Scott. And Pasi Sekoto says, hello, hello from Heidelberg. What a pretty place you live in, Pasi. Nice part of the, the country, eh? And then the East Strand is on board. Benoni is on board, says Justin Rob. How's it? And one more we'll do. Uh, hi Tom, looking forward to the show, says Jonathan Erickson and Je Desmond from Bradar says, evening Tom and the outer team. Do remember to post your comments in the comment section down below. Let's get the show on the road. Let's throw the first question at Wayne Divinate, shall we, and take you back to 2008, 13 years ago. Wayne, what was government's rationale for introducing the ETOL scheme way back in, in 2008? There was no rationale, let's put it that way. I think uh, as we look back and everything that we've discovered since then, Tom, uh, gives us um, enough ammunition to say the scheme was born in sin. Uh, and, and, and just understand that uh, the minister at the time, Jeffrey Debe, approved the scheme uh, without really applying his mind. Um, he, he really didn't uh, 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 give enough attention to what was happening. 
Senrel sold the scheme to him. I think ETC sold it to Senrel or Cups Trafficom. Uh, it is the most elaborate uh, Italy scheme, uh, certainly in the Southern Hemisphere, if not in the world, uh, in an environment where we could see it was going to fail. But anyway, this was all behind the scenes. They did a, a very low and dirty uh, um, uh, public engagement process, one advert in six newspapers. They got about 28 responses. Uh, and uh, they tried to tick as many boxes as they could, um, did it very quickly, and, uh, and, and told the Minister of Finance at the time, 2008, that this scheme was going to cost 11.3 billion rand in the same year that construction started, and the scheme ended up costing, just to build these roads, uh, 18 billion. Our estimate was 9 billion, uh, and their earlier estimates from San were a lot even less than that. So... So what you could see is there's a lot of people making a lot of money, but the biggest money would have been made forever in a day had they got their way with ETOLs. At 60 cents a kilometer at that stage, probably would have bought in about um, uh, five to six billion rand uh, a year. Uh, but the, the uproar was big once the public learned about the scheme in 2010, just after the World Cup, when questions were asked about the gantries that were going up. And lo and behold, we heard that they built these lovely roads for us, but we had to pay for them through a drive now, pay later scheme, which relied on a very efficient post office, very efficient e-natus vehicle registry system, which which uh, is probably only 50% correct. It relied on a, a compliance administrative scheme uh, that they could enforce and administer properly. Well, that was never going to happen. and uh, And I think that's where... Business started realizing the impact on their uh, entities was going to be big. Uh, and, and, and so a number of business organizations got together to set up ARTA. Firstly, to interdict the launch, to stop it in its tracks, which we successfully did. But from there on, it became quite a messy, technical, a very expensive case, I might add. And, um, and, 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 and fortunately, we appealed a bad decision in the high court. We went to the Supreme Court. And they, they did set aside that ruling and they opened the door for us a little bit to say, you can bring a collateral or a defensive challenge if people are summoned. And that's where we had to make a decision, Tom. This was a crossroads for Arta. Yeah. Because the public was saying, okay, you've put up a big fight and, and the fight up to then was fighting propaganda, by the way, from Senor. They were lying to the public about how many people were buying tags. And um, just to cut a long story short, we had to make a decision. Do we go away? Do we pack up because we had uh, got the cost source removed and, and we were at a crossroads? Or do we stay and defend the public if they are summoned? And we told the public we would do so on condition we could afford to do so. And as we were doing that and, and asking the public, we'll support this fight and we'll defend every single case that is given, that, that is uh, where somebody is summoned. Uh, and we put the team together, and this is largely the team that, that we see here tonight, um, to, to, to really do this properly. And at the same time, we started getting questions, why just details? Can't you tackle uh, government on all this corruption that was taking place? This was the height of state capture. And we made that decision in 2016 as well to go beyond details, but never to drop the ETOL ball and to see it through to the end. So it is still one of our biggest projects. We will stay this course until the scheme, the plug is pulled. But we must say that this campaign has been an extremely 
efficient one and I think is probably in our new democracy one of the biggest civil defiance campaigns against an irrational government decision that has uh, that has brought about brought governments to its knees on a policy which it thought that if we just put it into law the people will come well we've now shown the people you do not stand you do not uh, you, you do not bow down to governments with bad laws you stand up to governments who put bad laws in place and you fight them and you tackle them head on and you prepare for the consequences of jail if need be, or summonses and blacklisting and that. And I think we've won this. Even though the scheme is still alive, we've won it because less than 15% of people pay, and shortly government has got to make this announcement. And the only announcement they can make is the scheme has to be ended. And if they don't, we will continue to fight it until they come to their senses. Wayne, That's a short history. Yeah. I must just thank the team, you know, uh, Andrea, for that sausage machine of of the mandate systems that she put in place with Rudy uh, and Stefani. They, I mean, this team and others behind the scenes just worked so hard to make sure that the 3,000 plus summonses that were dished out to the public right up until March 2019, we handled every single one of them on time uh, and, 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 and gave uh, Senral's lawyers a lot of headaches. <laughs> Wayne, let's go back to when the scheme was made public and society at large became aware of the scheme. What happened? Well, they were angry. Um, you know, firstly, Kasatu uh, uh, was really, really angry. I mean, this was against uh, all, the, all the notions of, 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 you know, this is infrastructure for the people. Why are you taxing us more for it? Motorists were angry. Fleet companies were angry. The Road Freight Association was angry. The AA, everybody and they started expressing their disgust and frustration. And the DA climbed on board. It became a political football for them. Um, and, and, and nobody liked the scheme. Not one uh, entity, not one organization. It, it created an uproar. And I can tell you now, newspapers, radios sold more airtime in papers than anything else, just if they put the word ETOLs in their headlines. <laughs> so, so it kept us very busy because we had to respond to so many of those stories. Now, today you announced a new expose uh, of potential corruption within the eToll scheme. What exactly transpired after a whistleblower gave you information on uh, the CUPS uh, ETC corruption? Let's start with, uh, shall we start with Rudy? Uh, Rudy Heineke, can you comment on that? Yeah. Th this potential well, corruption. Rudy will Rudy. fill you in on this one. Yes, thank you, Tom. Um, we received information that, uh, you know, back in 2009, just after the contract was signed between uh, Sandral and ETC, that a specific company called ProAsh Investments, who trade as ProAsh uh, Pro Business Services, were getting paid uh, approximately 280,000 rand a month. Uh, and this kept on going for, for three years. Uh, the total amount paid out was uh, about 10 million rand, or just over 10 million rand. And uh, the, the information that we received was that these payments were made for so-called uh, services that were included in the um, uh, Sandral ETC contract. So what it basically said was, uh, Sandral said, ETC, you can have the contract, but you must spend at least around about 6% of the contract value. Uh, on uh, uh, upliftment programs. So what they did then is to appoint uh, certain business uh, management uh, uh, companies to manage all these little small 
companies that were uh, given the chance to do work for ETC. Uh, but our information uh, shows that uh, the the Pro-Ash contract was never, uh, we couldn't find a, a contract in writing, number one. And number two is that uh, we couldn't, or the whistleblower could not establish any services or goods that were sold or services that were rendered to ETC so that ETC got value for the money. Now, here is the, the kicker. Uh, it is um, this these contracts, uh, you know, when ETC pay out these subcontractors, they can claim back the money from Sandra. And that's where we have got a bigger problem even, because that money comes straight from the taxpayer's pocket. Uh, it is not included into the contract price. This is uh, claimed back from, from, from Sandral. So it was actually Sandral's money that was used to pay Pro-Ash Investments trading as Pro-Ash Business Services. Now, and that was the first part or the uh, first part of the uh, information that we received. The second part is also very interesting. Uh, and that is that Kapsch, who is the uh, majority shareholder, Kapsch Traficom AG in, uh, in Austria, who is the um, majority shareholder of ETC, uh, paid a bribe of just over $5 million US dollars to uh, obtain a contract in Zambia, a contract where they would manage um, traffic and give traffic education, speed limiting uh, programs, etc., etc. Um, now, the question will be asked, you know, why do we get involved in that? And the answer is quite simple, because that the money was paid over from Kapsch in Austria to a South African, to the South African Kapsch account. They also have a, a, an account with the South African bank. And from that bank, it was paid over to, um, to Zambia, to the, to the individuals and the, 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 the company there that was negotiating the contract. Um, in Zambia, they, they, they investigated this matter and the perpetrators were, were, were locked up. They were found guilty and they were locked up. One of them, a minister, the, the former minister of transport in Zambia. Um, so the question should be, you know, if, if, if they investigate this and they found people guilty there in Zambia, why uh, are we, you know, uh, um, not doing the same thing in South Africa? So what we did uh, was with the consent of the whistleblower, we reported this matter to the NPA in terms of Section 27 of the NPA Act, where you can refer matters directly to the NPA. Uh, and the reason for that was the whistleblower told us that, listen, I've tried my best to report this. I reported these uh, uh, irregularities to my board. I reported it to the, the, the CUPS executive team. Uh, I went further when there was no reaction. I reported it to the South African Police Services in terms of the PRECA uh, uh, Act, uh, Section 34 of the PRECA Act. And I also notified the uh, stock exchange in Vienna where... Um, Kapsch is listed. So he did everything in his power to, uh, you know, bring this to the fore and get it investigated and, you know, to, to, to kill this corruption animal in, in, in Kapsch and ETC. But nothing happened. Then he approached Alta because we have got the footprint uh, with ETOLs. Uh, we are a corruption-fighting organization. And the thing that, the only thing that we could do, that we could do further was to uh, report this straight to uh, the NPA, and I personally um, uh, uh, 
submitted the report at Shamila Batoy's office uh, in November last year. So we are sure that it is there. We followed up. They have uh, reacted, the NPA. They are busy investigating the matter, so they say. Um, but that is what we can do at this stage. But it is, it's important that, you know, these kind of transactions and these kind of subcontracts must be transparent. And I think Wayne and the whole team will agree with me that you no know, transparency, we talk about transparency, transparency every week on the show. And, uh, you know, it is, it is important that the public must be informed and that matters like this can be transparent and, and we can see what is happening. And uh, Advocate Stefani Fick, uh, are you going to keep an eye on the MPA? Uh, what, what do you have to add to what Rudy's just told us in terms of holding people accountable when it comes to corruption inside the ETC? Well, I, I think that hopefully people will realize by now that, um, you know, we will not let it go and, and, and that, you know, going after the corrupt is what we do. That's, that's, that, is, that is our game. But we've also realized that making the, the police investigate and making the NPA prosecute, um, you know, that's a totally different ballgame. But I think we are known for our tenacity. I think just by, you know, bowing our heads in, 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 in the death of Etolf, that, um, you know, that is what you get if you stand up and if you do not keep quiet. So all we can promise is that we will keep up fighting and keep up, um, you know, pointing the light and, and, and shining the light on corrupt deals like this. And that this is just one of the reasons why ETOL should never have been. But yeah, here we are. But hopefully government has learned their lesson and, and that they will finally put the last nail in the coffin that is ETOL. We'll talk about the legal defense in just a moment with Andrea Korf. Uh, we'll talk about the def outer's defense umbrella. Uh, but let's get to your questions and comments. And this is your opportunity on the show this evening to pop any questions or comments you may have. There are a lot of people that watch the show that wonder what Outer is doing when it comes to ETOLs. What is the fight about? We're going to run through all of that this evening. But if you have a comment or a specific question you'd like to pose, this is the team, the core team, that has put the ETOLs defense and defiance together. Uh, then come along and pop your question in the comments section down below. Let's start with Sasha Wayne, who says, what has the response been from Kupsch, etc., and Sanral? What, what, what are they saying? Nothing. They are um, they're denying this. They're, uh, they're saying there's nothing untoward. Uh, they haven't given an explanation for those uh, expenses. Um, and, you know, this is not difficult. If, uh, if an organization accuses you of misspending money, um, you need to provide them, and especially a public organization whose salaries we pay, you need to just provide them with, yeah, the facts, this is what we paid the 280,000 rand a month for over three years. This is the services. We're entitled to this information. Three months have gone by since you brought this to their attention. They haven't come back with one bit of information. So, you know that old saying, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, well, it's a duck. This is corruption. And you must remember, this is on the back of, Tom, this is on the back of Sanral telling government in 2014 that the ETC won the contract at $6.4 uh, billion. When in actual fact, in 2009, five years earlier, they had signed that contract with ETC at 9.9 .9 billion. So, you know, all over the scheme. 
it's corruption. So, you know, anybody who's still paying their retail bills now, just know that you're funding a corrupt system. Maybe that'll change your mind. And to all you businesses out there, it's time the money stayed in your bank account, not Santa Claus. Keith Sanson wants to know, any truth in the Etal gantry has been moved and reinstalled uh, at the port at Kucha to capture coastwise shipping tax for containers from Durban? Any, any, any truth to that rumor, uh, Wayne? No, we responded uh, in, in the chat section. No, Keith, that's, uh, well, maybe there's something we don't know, but it's highly unlikely. <laughs> All right, Tony de Villiers wants to know, the government has shown how they are going to force us to pay ETOLs by using the R2 system with fines and demerits. I know that you're uh, very passionate when it comes to the R2 system or uh, not having it implemented. What is your response to Tony's question about being forced to pay ETOLs via R2? Well, <clears throat> should I answer that? Why not, advocate? That, that <laughs> um, well, like Andrea said there in, in, in the comment space, I think you, um, everyone should watch the space. I mean, art is, is again one of those, you know, legislation that was just not well thought through. I think that just the impracticalities of, of art will see the end of art. Um, and, and as you well know, um, all may know, is that we also feel that the R2 and the R2 Amendment Act is unconstitutional. So we've already started the, that process. Our constitutional constitutionality challenge is already in the pipeline. We filed our heads of argument. And, uh, um, you, you know, um, we're just waiting for, for the other side. So, again, it's all these things technical issues, and, and, and then we're going to argue this matter. But put that to the side, is that we just believe um, that even, let's say, let's say um, we are unsuccessful, and, and, and we can't convince the court uh, um, that the act is, is, is unconstitutional. Just the impracticalities of, of R2 is exactly this. It's like it's a carbon copy of why ETOLs didn't work. You know, government think that, um, you know, by um, legislating policy that, you know, it's, it's everything is going to be okay. And, and, and that if you, you know, if you put something like art in place, people will just, you know, come along and, and, and obey and, and, and do it. But if your system is so impractical, it's just not going to work. So you are basically your own worst enemy. And what he said is that I think none of us sitting here and in the, you know, none of us can say that we are not concerned about fatalities on the road, that we are all passionate about um, road safety and, 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 and that we should do something about the, you know, just the, the death tolls on our road, pedestrians, like it's, it's, it is horrific. But you know what? R2 is not going to do that. R2 is definitely not the legislation that's going to turn around, um, you know, just the mess that our roads are, roads are in. Um, for example, you know, just visible policing. How huh? that drunk guy that, you know, is just irresponsible or the guy that mm. is driving so far is by someone stopping him. So, yes, um, um, whether they try to, you know, whether the government is still thinking about um, um, he told and are going to try and enforce it with, with R2. Uh, sorry, but that's, that's a bit dumb. Um, um, and and it, it, 
and, and it's it's not going to work. It really is not going to work. Uh, Andrea, what is your view? I mean, R2 is just, uh, it, it makes me stutter. Thank you, Stefani. No, I agree completely with you. And um, just, I think people don't understand necessarily, if we look at ETOL specifically, remember when you do comply and pay your ETOL bills, that money goes directly to Sandra. If you, however, pay infringement notice, the money goes to the RTIA, the Road Traffic Infringement Agency. So although the R2 Act in its schedules now makes it, an, makes it an infringement if you drive underneath the gantry and do not pay, if you do in any event then pay for that, it will go to the RTIA. So it will completely circumvent the whole purpose of why you want to enforce ETOLs through R2. That's just the practical of it. But there's a myriad of other issues, but as Stefani uh, summed it up perfectly, but just for future reference, if you ever have a doubt, just remember, Arthur will not be able to enforce ETOs because the whole objective of why they want to enforce uh, ETOs will be circumvented because the money goes to the RTIA and not to Sunra. Well, let's, but so, let's, don't you think that that yeah. is just what, what is so you know, that what makes you so angry is I think what government again is hoping for is that by saying, you know, that ETOLs is going to be enforced through R2, that people will run and pay their ETOLs. Mm. You know, because people, R2 is a very technical legislation and that, you know, these type of things are not the things that, you know, is, is, is put out there by, by RTIA when they try to educate people about R2. No, they don't tell you that. So, again, they, they're hoping that by, you know, sort of um, scaring people enough that people will just abide and, and, and you know, run and pay their ETOBOL. That's what I think. There's a fair amount of skepticism in the room. I mean, I'm just taking a look at some of the comments and I'm going to read some of them to you. Larissa Liebenberg says, I don't think our government is capable of learning any lessons. I can't see them ending the scheme. They are in denial. Johan Elof says, that was never the plan of ETOs. Always envisioned to be a lucrative money-moving apparatus. Craig Vocht says, great job, Alta, but sadly the law enforcement agencies and MPA are compromised, effectively useless. Uh, Freddie Mills says ETOLs was a cash cow idea for the government to loot. Now ETOLs not even bearing drips of mil uh, milk. And there are a number of people who've expressed uh, some reservations, Wayne, when it comes to actually ending the ETOL scheme. How confident are you as outer that ETOLs will never go ahead? Look, uh, Tom, we get asked this question often. Um, and, and our response is simply this. You know, whether government pulls the plug or not doesn't really matter. The public have made the decision for government. They are not paying. It has been spiraling downwards for years. It's getting lower and lower. They do not collect enough now. It's below. It can't be more than 50 million rand a month. They needed 300 million rand a month. Um, well, that's, that's, that's to enrich themselves if had, had they got their way. So now it's not even covering the collection process right now. Uh, and, and, and so with hit rate it's down at 15%. Um, you know, government, you can keep the scheme there. I, I, this is the only way I can liken it. You, it's like the, you, the, the, the music's playing, the lights are flashing, that there's no one on the dance floor. So you think you've got a party going on here, Samuel. Well, you don't. So carry on, uh, but nobody's at your party and, and, and live in this delusional world if you want to. And please, to the last few companies who are paying pull the plug so that we can finish this thing once and for all. But, you know, so they've got no decision. They have to make it, though. They've been trying to make it for years. They have to pull the plug. They cannot force it because, it's, and Stefani will tell you, 
and Andrea and Rudy, they cannot summons anymore. They abandoned that case two years ago. The Credit Bureau Association has told them no more, no blacklisting will ever happen. No default judgments will be listed with credit bureaus. Uh, so if you can't collect the money, you can't enforce and you can't blacklist and people don't pay, what do you do? I mean, they're, they're completely stumped by our society. Well done to the people who stood their ground. Tom, if I, if I may, yes, uh, just to carry on what Wayne was saying now, uh, I saw a comment here from Beth Dix. What do we do to renew our license uh, or vehicle disc? And we are told to pay ETOL before our license or vehicle disc is issued. What do we do? Now, the answer is simple. Uh, nobody can uh, uh, tell you not to renew your license because of outstanding ETOLs. And I think, uh, you know, Andrea will be able to elaborate more on this. But this is uh, you know, the simple and the short answer. Uh, you can only, they can only withhold your license or not renew it with outstanding infringement orders or enforcement orders, rather. Um, but uh, uh, if outstanding ETOs, I think, uh, you know, not one of these team members uh, talking on the show tonight with me has uh, a paid up ETO account. So, um, and, and we all renewed our vehicle licenses and our driver's licenses. So um, just for the public out there, you know, remember this. Outstanding ETOs cannot uh, stop you from renewing your license. Before we get to Andrea Koff, let's ask Samantha van Nispen an important question. I see everybody is wearing black tonight, Sam. Why, why has the entire outer team uh, got black shirts on this evening? So we thought that it would be a good idea for us all to wear black and celebrate the funeral of Etols. Minister <laughs> um, Mbalula has promised that there will be some sort of solution to Etols by the end of March. Um, and we've wanted to put some pressure on the minister and try and get him to hold his um, promise. So this is step one. Um, and keep an eye out over the next couple of weeks because we've got lots planned, marches, viral campaigns, um, as much as we possibly can do to apply some pressure and get the minister to make a decision by the end of the month. We'll talk to you about the month-long campaign in just a moment, but let's get to Andrea Kaur for a moment and talk about Outer's Defence Umbrella. Andrea, what is Outer's Defence Umbrella? Hi, Tom. Yes, thank you. Um, I think um, it's important to understand that, as Wayne alluded to earlier also, that um, once Outer came to the fore and vigorously challenged um, the ETOL scheme, there was a lot of people who approached Outer to, to ask for input and advice in, in order to combat the litigation. Because, I mean, if, if we, you talk to a normal person on the street, if you hear the word summons, people literally quiver in their boots. They don't know what to do with it because they're not accustomed to the legal processes. Unless you studied law, you understand it's not, not that big of a deal. But if you are a person getting sued for 15,000 rand, you know you can't pay that. Um, you would, yeah, it just gets difficult. And you get a heck of a fright is what happens when you see a summons arrive. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So Alta decided back in 2015 to launch the, the ETOL defense umbrella. Now, um, that is basically a crowdfunded model to assist Alta supporters in combating the litigation against Samuel. Wayne made, it, made an important statement. We said that once... Um, Alta came to the fore and they vehemently denied the ETOL scheme in, in a public space. Alta made a promise and they said that they would support 
each and every individual that will receive a summons from Sandlot. And uh, that is exactly what the defense umbrella is. It enables people to fall under a scheme which is crowdfunded, which also then assists with the litigation against Sam. And how does this uh, defense umbrella work, Andrea? Well, basically how it works is if you do receive a summons from Sandwell and you are a supporter of Alta, you go onto the Alta website, alta.coza, and you literally submit your summons to our support relations team. What they in return then do, they send you a mandate and a power of attorney. It's a legal document giving uh, a portion of your rights as an individual over to Alta to represent or to choose representation on your behalf. So once the mandate and power of attorney is signed by the supporter, then it gets all sent, gets allocated to our attorneys, our attorneys of record, which then takes on the legal process on behalf of the supporter. So for instance, it will, uh, the attorneys will serve a notice of intention to defend, will take the, uh, the defendant, which will, uh, the supporter will become a defendant in this case, will take them through the process, ask them questions they need in order to compile the court documentation and so on and so forth. So that's how the defense umbrella works. But also a, a notable thing just to rem remember is uh, Wayne also alluded to it that currently Alta's attorneys of record are defending almost 3,000 matters on behalf of our supporters. Now that's individuals and companies um, and then, then also enabling them to, to fall under this defense umbrella, which uh, Alta has made an agreement with Sandwell's attorneys, uh, the opposing attorneys, saying that once we reach a certain stage in this individual matter, it will become state. So it will stop pending the decision of the constitutional challenge, which Alta, which Alta also launched. So you go up to a point and then it stops. Uh, pending the decision of the Constitutional Court on the constitutionality of the ETOL scheme. And uh, Andrea, what is the test case? Uh, that is exactly what I just referred to. That is the constitutional challenge or the collateral challenge. Back um, in 2008, when Alta initially got, uh, got the interdict to stop the ETOLs from, from proceeding, and the court subsequently overturned it, the court... Um, lock, left an open-ended space. They said that they're not going to stop the ETOLs now because of all the costs that's been incurred, but they will leave a gap or space open that if someone then does get summons by Sandlaw, they can then legally challenge that. So um, Arta was aware of it. Once we received our first summons, we, we started this journey of a collateral or a constitutional challenge. But what makes it very interesting, um, there's a concept in law called a, a, class, a, a class action, which this is not, but it's a collaboration of 10 different matters, which Arta is defending, which has been consolidated into one matter. And those 10 defendants make up a representative spread of society. So um, when we do reach courts, the courts can't say, yeah, but you are just defending people or businesses who have an annual turnover of X amount a year or an individual which is very wealthy. So what we did is we made, a, like I mentioned, a representative spread of society. So it's uh, all demographics. It is uh, gender. It is ethnicity. It is everything you can imagine compiled into those 10 matters, consolidated, 
And then also in our test case or the constitutional challenge, we raised nine special pleas. Those are the nine points that Arta raised in contention to say that this scheme has been introduced and is operating unconstitutional. And therefore, Arta will defend us and we will not pay. And what is the current status of this litigation? Well, unfortunately, Tom, in 2019, this 27th of March, to be precise, uh, the Samuel Board may uh, release a press statement saying that they are going to suspend all the ETL collection. Now, ETL collection, um, in terms of the Samuel Act, has been made in terms of the civil law litigation. So you have to go, you have to issue a, issue a letter of demand, issue a summons, and then you have to follow the court process. So they said that they're going to suspend everything until a decision is made by cabinet. So because of that suspension, basically what it means is the test case or the constitutional matter and all the other matters are currently in limbo, if I can put it in plain terms, until cabinet or Mr. Fikile Mbalula has made a decision on whether or not they're going to proceed. Um, I just want to point out also that although it's in limbo, and although there's no necessarily traction, so it's not in court and it's not not, not in court, it, it's just there for now. But just to make, uh, just to uh, put our supporters um, arrest as well, is to say that even if, if, and this is a big if, if they decide to proceed with the ETL scheme, it will not put us back. We will literally just continue where we left off. We are at a very advanced stage in the test case which will determine everything. So ARTA is ready and we will always be ready to fight this. It doesn't matter what the decision is, because even if the decision is to cancel the ETOL scheme, there are some legalese and technical issues that we have to force Samuel to do. One of those issues is, for example, um, the reason why they can collect ETOLs is because those national routes were declared, declared toll routes. So in order for them to not to not collect in future for, for ETOLs, we would need to lobby Sandwell, even if we have to go to court, to, to undeclare these roads as toll roads. Uh, Stefani, how, you know, what, ha what happens if the Constitutional Court agrees with you on those nine points and the courts agree with, with, with Outer? What, what happens next? Um, well, at this point in time, I, can I answer the question like this without getting getting too technical? Is everything has grind, come to a grinding halt because the Sunroll Board decided not to go after um, any ETOL there. Um, so for now, no one is being summoned and the summonses already in court, although the 3,000 plus and the test case is all on, um, you know, came to a grinding halt. Now, the... the, the um, so, you know, that's why we are all dressed in black, because I think that this is really the, the, the final nail in, Ito, in the Ito coffin. That if, um, um, or let me rather say, when Minister Mbulula announces at the end of March that it's the end of Ito, then obviously all these cases go away. In other words, um, um, we would have been successful in saying, but this is basically a scheme and it doesn't, and, and, and it doesn't work. Worst case scenario, and I, I don't actually even want to go there. If this case goes to court and um, ETOLF um, um, continues, um, 
I think in, in, in all likelihood, and, and, and that's why we tackled ETOLs, is that a court will say that um, Sunroll, or, or, although they've put up the gantries and they, there's ETOLs, that Sunroll can't come after the public um, for the debt if they decide not to pay ETOLs. In other words, that people will not be indebted to Sunroll for the, the outstanding ETOL ball. I think that's the maybe the easiest way to say. The constitution of the um, um, collateral challenge um, um, is um, it, it's actually a difficult concept in the in 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 the sense that it's it's we are saying that although um, you know we we the, the scheme was there and the court said but you can continue with the scheme is that um, um, that doesn't mean that they can come after people to pay, that you will be indebted in terms of civil law. So, But you know what? That's why I don't even want to talk about it. I sure. firmly believe that, you know, ETOLS has died already. It has failed, totally failed, um, and that it literally is just government that needs to catch up and formally tell everybody, yes, ETOLS has died. The sensible thing uh, you would contend, I guess, is that government says, hey, we made a mistake and we'll find another way of, of running our national uh, roads around Johannesburg and Pretoria. It's funny. Well, we made a mistake. I think by, um, I, I, I wonder if government will ever, I, I doubt that government will ever say. Well, I'm not expecting that. that yes. Yeah. But um, um, I, I, think <laughs> I, I think it's quite clear that they did. Um, and they must realize it. Whether they will say that out loud, I doubt it. I think we will wait a long time for government to say they will probably spin it some other way. Um, but the, 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 the problem is, you know, every time I talk about um, um, when we talk about ETOLs and I listen to Wayne and I listen to the fight and the history and, 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 and where we are today. What is so sad is that if they listened to them right in the beginning, ETOLs would have been paid. The, 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 the upgrades and whatever would have been paid because one of the suggestions was just put a few cents um, on top of the fuel levy. We would have been done. That's right. The, the, this wouldn't have, but no, they didn't want to listen and they just, they wanted to do it their way. You know, if I just think about the huge, um, um, the sums of money we lost to, to corruption, they didn't go after um, the big companies with the construction collusion and whatever of the of, of G. So why on earth should we be the ones that you know is just um, again pulling on the on the on the on the the short straw? No. There's some questions coming in. For example, Jonathan Erickson says, does one contribute to the defense umbrella? How do you contribute to the defense umbrella? Jonathan says, I contribute monthly to Alta. Perhaps uh, Andrea could answer this. Um, yes, uh, just to briefly answer that, basically, if you do contribute to Alta, uh, a portion of that then does get allocated to the, defen the defense umbrella. Just, just remember, ATA is one of the few or only civil activist organizations with the in-house legal capacity to fight government on the legal front. So uh, a portion of our contributions does go towards, our, as Wayne likes to call it, our war chest. And part of that funds um, does go through to the defense umbrella. So yes, 
A portion of your support or contribution does go to the Defence Umbrella and we always state from the beginning, if we have the funds and as long as we have the funds, we can we can assist people in the litigation. But that is all just dependent on our supporter contributions that we get from each and every one of you. So thank you. I actually just want to say thank you for everybody who, who, who is a, a contributing out to supporter. And if you're not, please reconsider, go to our website, click the, the join button or the contribution button, and just know that every cent that you do contribute goes towards a good cause. It might be our war chest, it might be our defense umbrella, it might be uh, to enable us to take on more projects and to advance those projects within ALTA. Right, so you're, you are contributing to the defense umbrella if you are contributing to ALTA monthly. There's the, the simple answer, right? Uh, Malcolm, oh, by the way, we're getting a couple of comments in saying that the connection is unstable tonight, and it appears to be area-specific. Some areas have got us loud and clear. We're fine in the studio, but we've had a couple of problems. I see Samantha Van Nispen dropped off. Wayne Duvenage dropped off the Zoom link. They're trying to get back on. Let's see if we can get them uh, back on. Uh, and if the connection's stable enough, we'll do that in the next couple of minutes. But we'll press on regardless and look at some of the comments and questions that are coming in from you. And I see that Malcolm Smorthit uh, says, what happens to the money that's been paid if ETOLS is declared unlawful and against the constitutional law? Does that money have to be refunded? Who'd like to answer that question? Difficult one, because the question is, why are people paying? But you must remember that put, put our feelings towards um, ETOLS aside. ETOLS is legislation. The, 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 the roads were declared um, a, a toll road. And in terms of legislation and all the regulations, government can, um, 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 you know, collect tolls from you. So it is, in their mind, whether we agree or not, it is legislation. So it, 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 it is law. Let, let me put it in brackets. So by, um, you know, um, this civil activism where we said we're not going to pay, um, is actually contrary to you know what is what is in place now. Um, again, you know the fact that that government decided to do this and it's not working because you didn't got you know you you didn't go out of your way in order to make sure that that the public out there is on your side. You didn't have the trust and all of that, and that's why a, a system like this will never work. So, if you pay, you pay legitimately. If you don't pay, you take a risk. And that's why you then become this active citizen. You join um, Arthur so that if you receive a summons, you can be part of the, the defense umbrella. And we will tackle the fact that we think it is unlawful. But when you pay, it is, it, it is you are paying towards something that is lawful. The only way you will ever get your money back is if we continue um, and a court, court declares this unlawful and say, you know, pay all the money back. That I doubt will ever happen. You know, everyone that mm. is paying ETOLs, and the question should rather be, why on earth are you paying ETOLs, not can I get my money back? Um, is The chances of you getting your money back is slim to none. Because also, you must remember, just try and think about it objectively. Where will government get the money to pay back everyone? And, and the money was paid towards something. So they, will they, they won't have the money to repay. And then... Uh, and I can just yes. add to what Stefani said. I, Go for it, Andrea. Sorry, Tom. I love saying this because 
it actually sums it up perfectly. Um, Alta uh, is, we, we believe in South African law. We believe you have an obligation to obey law, but we have a moral obligation to disobey unjust law. So that's the difference, is in law, it is law to pay ethos. But a moral obligation from Arthur's perspective saying is this is an unjust law and that's why we decide not to pay. Got it. Yedwa says, and this is interesting, Yedwa says they have started sending new invoices, meaning my previous 19,000 was written off, but I started getting new invoices. Any comments from the outer team on that? I see Andrea's nodding her head. Let's go back to Andrea. <laughs> Sorry, I'll just make it quickly and then Rudy can elaborate on that. Yes, Tom, um, there is a specific defense law that you can actually use, and it's called prescription. But um, what prescription means is a debt, uh, depending on which debt, there's a difference in timelines applicable. But for instance, in this case, um, it's a civil debt. And because it's a civil debt, Samuel has to institute legal action to retrieve that debt within three years from you incurring the debt. So, for instance, if you drive underneath the gas in 2013, and they only summons you in 2016, they cannot claim that the debt that debt. But that is a specific argument you have to make if you and when you do get summons. All right. Thanks, Andrea. So that's most probably. Got it. All right. We, we are having a little trouble with your signal as well. It looks like uh, our fiber networks are becoming more unstable as we make our way through the hour. Let's just see if we can get Stefani Fick to uh, comment on that. Stefani, your, your, your comments? Well, I think Rudy has got his hand up. So, um, um, All right, let's um, go to Rudy. That's no, okay. Let's, let's move on to Rudy Heineke. Rudy Heineke, the, the spotlight is on you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, team. Um, Tom, I have, I've heard, you know, the, the, the legal arguments put forward by Stefani and Andrea, and I fully agree with that. There's one thing that I want to tell the viewers and the listeners as well, that, you know, to collect the ETOs from people who doesn't pay is just impractical. Uh, impractical. They, they, you cannot, they cannot collect this. You know, you get, uh, before COVID, the stats were around two to two and a half million cars passing the gantries every day. Uh, so you can think for yourself, you know, to send out all those invoices, and that's fine. They, they, they've got that, you know, more or less under control. But if you must start to summons, you know, it's a process. You must draft the summons. You yeah. must get a, 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 a sheriff to serve it on you, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, from 2016, 2017, when they started to issue summonses, uh, the number of summonses issued uh, and the number of summonses served, you know, was, it's like a drop in the ocean. I think, uh, uh, you know, we did the stats once before at that, yeah. at the peak time, uh, uh, parliamentary answer was that they issued or that they drafted 15,000 summonses. Listen to this, 15,000 summonses. Wow. There's 2 million people not paying. Served about 5,000 of those. 5,000 people uh, across the country were summonsed. And there's another 
1,990,000 and a few zeros who didn't receive anything. You know, uh, people will receive uh, uh, letters of demand, but it's so what I'm trying to say, it's they just cannot do it. And just to add to that, the same is going to happen with Arto. If you must start to issue, and now remember, Arto is going to be a national rollout. If you must start to issue infringement notices and enforcement notice, uh, notices to each and every defaulter and e each and every infringer and each and every person who doesn't pay ETOLs because that is uh, in the Arto Act, you know, it's an it's a infringement, I do not see that that will happen. It is just impossible, practical, impossible to do it. Got it. Uh, I'm just going to check yes. if... Yes, go ahead. No, no, no. I just want to say people should... If there is, you know, someone listening and, and, and you still feel, I don't know, morally obliged to, to, to pay your ETOs or you're forced to pay ETOs or whatever, just... Um, but good news for the ones that that is uh, that decided not to pay ETOs is that Sunroll Board decided in March 2019 to not go after ETOL debts. In other words... The summoning has stopped. What I think Sunroll is still trying to do is, again, that tactic of trying to scare people. Because the minute they send out letter of demands, which they still do, um, you know, people, they start getting um, trickles of money in. Because, uh, you know, letter of demand, I, I need to pay, I need to pay. But that letter of demand currently goes nowhere. Um, um, so they they send out letter of demands. They, they say that, they you know, the next step is going to be a summons. But they do not issue summons because Sunroll Board has said, while government is making this decision, we will not go after ETOL debt. So remember that. Got it. All right. In the last remaining minutes of the show, I just want to uh, send a message from Sam to you as you watch the show tonight. And Sam's been on the show, I think, once before. Tonight was her second appearance, and then her fiber link went down, and we lost her. We're going to have to get Sam back perhaps next week. But she did write a letter, a, a, a message to us quickly to say that she wanted to say that she needs and Outer needs the supporters of Outer to help in applying a bit of pressure on the minister and cabinet to make a decision on ETOLs by the end of the month. Now, Outer will be running a video campaign from the 15th of March, encouraging people to share videos showing what they'd rather pay for. Uh, instead of ETOLs. Supporters must please get involved, says Sam, and get their friends and family to participate too. So uh, I'm, we'll bring you more. We were going to bring it the, uh, the info to you on the show this evening. That's why we had Sam here. But she's, uh, her and Wayne have both had connectivity issues this evening. So we'll ask Sam to come back on a show in the future, perhaps next week, and just run through this month-long campaign encouraging outer supporters to share videos showing what they'd rather pay for and sending them off to Cabinet and the Minister of Transport. And that is what Sam came on the show for in a nutshell. Right. Well, we've got a minute or so left, so um, let's. Uh, I, I'm going to wrap up the comments. I think we, we're just going to leave the comments where they are. I think some of our viewers have had connectivity issues as well this evening, but thank you for joining us. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for your questions. Let's see if we can flip the screen over to our team members tonight. Do we have them all on board? Yes, we do. We've got the remainders, the survivors of this hour on board. From Rudy Heineken, it's a good evening. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you, Tom, and uh, a good week for everybody. Thank you very much. And from everybody's favorite advocate, Advocate Stefani Fick. Thank you, Stefani.
Yes, my little heart to each and every one of you. Enjoy the rest of your week. Look after yourself. Keep safe. And thank you again for all the support. You know what? Without you guys, we can't, you know, we can't be outer and, and, and we can't have the energy to, to fight corruption and maladministration and all the, the nasty stuff going out there. So thank you. Thank you again. And thank you, Tom, um, for guiding us in this show. Only a pleasure. Uh, right, Andrea Korf. The ladies are looking lovely tonight, and Andrea Korf finishes the show with a goodbye. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, everybody. Uh, stay safe and stay active, active citizens. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Bye-bye. Wayne Divanage and Samantha Finispin had a, a connection problem just a couple of minutes ago and dropped off, weren't able to get back on, but I know they would join me in saying thank you for joining us on the Outer Hour this evening. Do join us next week. And if you haven't joined Outer, go to outer.coza. Go and take a look at the wonderful projects that Outer managed. A team of 40-odd people take on the impossible when it comes to tackling corruption and maladministration, tax abuse in South Africa. Uh, it's, worth, it's a worthwhile read if you've never been to outer.coza before. You'll get a very good idea of what Outer is all about. And while you're there, if you haven't hit that Join Now button, press the Join Now button. Now, I see there are a couple of uh, messages as we leave tonight. John Oscar says, thanks all, take care. Thank you, John, same to you. Rachel Fisher says, thank you, team, so inspirational. Dagmar Hurleyman says, thank you, team, outer. And there are a couple more that... Uh, Came up this evening to see Ida Cleary says, thank you for joining us this evening, representing Arta in the comments section. The show is put together by our producer, Banele Sanatla. Inside the comments section, Ida Cleary and head of comms and marketing, Samantha Finnispan. From the Arta team and myself, it's a big goodbye until next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Make it a date. I hope you make some money. I hope you stay healthy. I hope you're nice to the people you love. They're nice back to you. But most importantly, I hope you're back with us next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Make it a date. Could just be the most important date of the week. From myself, Tom London, to you, stay safe, and I miss you already. Our fight to eradicate corruption, maladministration, unethical leaders, and the abuse of taxpayers' money by those in power continues. It's fresh, it's fearless, and focused. Stefani. outer hour, where Stephanie, your can you voice matters. Oh, hold on. I've got my speaker off. I'm the idiot. Okay, can you hear me? I can hear you. Did you meet my girlfriend, Stefani? Hold on, hold on. Come here, Michelle. Come, Stefani's wanted to meet you. Ru I don't think Rudy's met you either. I think Andrea did. Hey, Andrea? Hi. <laughs> and I wanted to show Wayne because he's always calling me Brokeback Mountain. This is Michelle. <laughs> hey. Hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> So can you tell Wayne I do actually have a girlfriend, please? And I'm not a boy. And she's not a boy, as you can see. <laughs> Rudy's saying nothing, he's just looking. 